welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. Your number one source for theories, news and discussion. And interviews from the books and the films like me, Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your host, Melissa, John and Sue. Okay, everybody listening, beware. The following will be full of spoilers for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. If you have not read the book, back slowly away. Away, hands in the air. Go to your nearest bookstore and pick up Deathly Hallows. Okay, welcome. It's Pottercast 113. Wow. It's our first post DH call out show. Can you believe it? The last time we did these in separate rooms, we were like Pottercast 90. I know. We just did like 20 some shows. Boom, 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 boom. And it's not over yet. We got plenty coming. We're going to talk to all of you about your Death and Hallows predictions. Our hair is still blown back. Oh, yeah. From the book. What about you guys? <laughs> I th- oh my gosh, I know. Well, this is this is a call-in show or call-out show. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go back to regularly formatted podcast. Come after prophecy, but uh, we we just have to keep our ears out with you guys right now and figure out what you all thought about this darn thing because there's just so much to talk about. Before we do anything else, it's time to hear from our lovely friends at the Borders. Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. Haven't read Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows yet? Don't worry, Borders is here to help. Pick up your copy of this summer smash hit soon. You won't be able to hide from the spoilers forever. You can count on Borders to have it in stock and ready to take home tonight, along with the audiobook version. Even if you've read the book, the Harry Potter fun doesn't have to end yet. Visit BordersMedia.com or click on the Borders banner at the top of the podcast page to find out more. All right. Awesome. And I think that since we are now back to our sort of sort of regularly scheduled podcasts, before we go and start calling people, it's time to hear from Sue, from Sue for some Susie newsy. Oh my gosh, Sue, how about some crazy news? Well, there's certainly been a great deal of news, and the most dramatic of all is that Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is now available. The book, which was released at midnight last Friday, sold a whopping 8.3 million copies alone here in the United States in the first 24 hours, averaging 300,000 copies in sales per hour. That's more than 5,000 a minute. In Great Britain, Bloomsbury reported 2.65 million copies of the book sold at the initial release, equaling one in every 10 homes in the UK had a copy of the final installment in the Harry Potter series. Wow. Speaking of Harry, his author, J.K. Rowling, has appeared in several new interviews since the release of The Deathly Hallows, including a lengthy one found in the USA Today newspaper and in a two-part video interview broadcast on NBC's The Today Show. In these interviews, Jo discusses in detail her thoughts and feelings about writing the book, as well as answering some detailed questions. Calling it, quote, just really liberating, end quote, finishing the book, Jo also made some huge revelations. And don't worry, there's no spoilers here. Jo said things such as the name of the character that was given the reprieve, and the two who were originally set to live then had their fates sealed in Deathly Hallows. Jo gave more details on the future jobs and occupations and the like of certain characters from the series. And Jo also revealed what the original final sentence sentence of the series was to be ending in the word scar. Fans will remember that she announced shortly before the release of Deathly Hallows that this was no longer the case, but after many years of endless speculation of what this sentence might have actually been, you can now hear Joe saying this in a video clip you can find in our video galleries. Very cool. 
The biggest news of all from this interview was revealed probably on the Today Show when Joe said that, yes, she will probably write a Hogwarts encyclopedia, saying, quote, I'm dealing with a level of obsession in some of my fans that will not rest until they know the middle names of Harry's great-great-grandparents. I love it. I'm all for that, end quote. In addition to an encyclopedia, which Joe says she is not writing anytime soon, drag. She is, however, writing two other books, one that is described as something for children, the other not for children. In an interview with the USA Today newspaper, Joe gave the following response to the question asking if the beloved series will stand the test of time, with Joe saying, quote, When all the hype and everything else dies down, they will have to float or sink on their own merits, won't they? So in 50 years' time, if people are still reading them, they deserve to be read. And if they're not, then that's okay. End quote. Finally, it was revealed from the film trio of Dan, Rupert, and Emma. They were given some serious insights into the fate of their characters, with Joe saying, quote, I told all three of them more than they ever let on, end quote. In a new interview with Entertainment Weekly, actor Dan Rackliff describes in details how he read Deathly Hallows, and he gives us feelings on the fate of Harry Potter and much more, and you can find the links to read that great interview on our website. Well, as there have been a plethora of new information coming directly from Joe, we will be playing a collection of audio clips from Joe here shortly in the program, so you can hear in her own voice some of the great thoughts she's expressed at this special time. Just terrific stuff, so stay tuned. Please note, we at Leaky are continuing our spoiler policy, and all news posted on our website will continue to contain spoiler warnings if needed before you click onto a link in a news story. And with that, let's get back to the show and those clips from Joe. So Joe's been doing a heck of a lot of interviews lately, you guys. I don't know if you've seen all of them, but they, they're, pro- they're mostly in our video galleries, they aren't are they? all in our video yeah, galleries. We have- yes. We have her. We have the reading from the midnight thing. We have her interviews that she, the amazing interviews she did on the Today Show, which is just really quite, quite a lot. Well, she let go of so many details. She let go of so many more details that probably could have been in some kind of other parallel dimension epilogue for Death to Hallows. But right. it's cool that it's finally coming in. Should we, should we play a few for these guys? I don't know if anyone's, if, if we've all heard of them yet. Why don't we play, play a few? At the moment, uh, it feels great, to be honest with you. It feels, um, this is a really nice place to be. I mean, I am sad. I was hard to live with for about a week after I finished this. It was this amazing, cathartic moment, the end of 17 years' work. And and it's very much tied into things that I've done in my life for 17 years, so it brought back a lot of memories. Definitely the passage that I found hardest to write of all in, in all seven books, and the one that made me cry the most was chapter 34 in this book. It's when Harry sets off into the forest. I had this enormous explosion of emotion, and I cried and cried and cried. Particularly the last third of the book is, um, is as I always planned it. It really is. Uh, the only exception would be that one character appears in that last third, and I thought that character was going to die in book five when I started writing. So Who's someone... Mr. Weasley. So he was the person who got a reprieve. It would have been humanly impossible to answer every single question that fans have. Because I'm dealing with a level of obsession in some of my fans that will not rest until they know the middle names of Harry's great-great-grandparents. So. <laughs> well, you, people have gotten a little obsessive. No, I love it. I'm all for that. I'm delighted they feel that way. Um, McGonagall was really getting on a bit. Uh, so someone completely new but if I ever do the encyclopedia I'm promising I will give details you're going to do that aren't you, are you think, are I think I probably will I'm, but I don't I, I'm not going to do it tomorrow because <laughs> I'd really like a break I 
will always write. I can't imagine stopping writing. It's, um, I mean, I've literally been doing it since I was five years old. I've always been writing. So I will still write until I can't write anymore. Will you write about, like, Wizarding Worlds, or will it be totally different? I think I've kind of done the Wizarding World. And so you can look out at these sweet, innocent faces and say, there'll never be another Harry Potter book. I've done my, I've done my, I've done my Harry Potter. Cool. Well, thank you. That's awesome. And it's time to start calling people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see what people have okay. to say. Hi, Derek. Hi. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? Awesome. Well, how are you? I am fantastic. It's wonderful to hear your voices. Well, it's wonderful to hear yours. Do you, what'd you think? What'd you think about the book? I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. What was your favorite part? My favorite part? Um, the part that got me the most excited was at the battle at the end when the house elves come crashing from the kitchen ah. led by Creature in the front. It was awesome. Yeah. Yes. That was the best part. Right for right master. They did Hufflepuff proud. Yes, they did. They did you rock. Have a buff, uh, yeah, I, I saw, I saw, I saw that she had Professor Sprout behind the elves with a larger knife, no, making sure that they thought. Throwing plants with Neville, right? Yeah, that was brilliant. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, kill it with greenery. Can it get any better? It was brilliant. Grubbly Plank was helping too, helping with the plants. She did great. Yeah, I thought that was the coolest part. That was my favorite part, and uh, the part that got me. I think that, that made me want to cry the most was when the part where Molly goes ape on yeah. Bellatrix. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That made you want to cry? Yeah, I don't know what, about, what was it about. Just that gut reaction of, like, if that was your daughter, that's absolutely yeah. what you do. You just scream and run over to yeah. save her. And, yeah, I thought it was it's great. It's mother love. You don't mess with a mother. There's mother love all over this book. Yeah. It was late at night, so maybe that's why I yeah. had such a reaction. Yeah, you don't mess with Molly. All right, well, listen, thank you, Derek. Oh, thank you so much, guys. Okay. Bye. Have a good show. Bye. Bye-bye. Molly pwned. All the moms pwned. I mean, Narcissa. Oh, there's two moms, and they both were Yeah, amazing. Narcissa, like all the moms. Even when you were evil, you were a good mom. I know. How about that? Ooh. You could tell a mom wrote it. That's right. All right. Did Bellatrix ever have any kids? No. no oh, really, really. No kids. That'd be really, awful. for the imagine? sake of the universe, hope not. Hello. Hey. Hi. Is this Jessica? What's up, guys? We're just chilling, talking about the book. Yeah. What did you think of the book? I was in a bit of shock when I stopped reading that last page, but uh, I loved it overall. Why were you in shock? Yeah, what surprised you? Well, just that it was uh, the whole thing was over and there's nothing left to read. Yeah. Yeah. You know what surprised me most out of the whole book was what Draco named his kid. Oh, yeah. Scorpius. Yeah, seriously. Jeez. How that, do you name your kid Scorpius? <laughs> that, th- that threw me through a loop. What was your favorite part? Oh, uh, God, there's a lot other than Molly Weasley's line, but uh, yeah, I'm rereading it, and there was one part where Creature hits Mundungus with the frying pan. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, Creature. <laughs> what did you think of the Snape chapter? I thought it was great. It was just a lot of different scenes and it gave a lot of depth to Snape's character, which I thought was great. A lot of insight. I was very interested to read that thing too. It was it was hard. I don't know what what, what you girls thought, but it, it felt like to me that it was kind of like interrupting everything. It's like a big break and everything to hear about Snape. 
just seemed kind of an odd time to do it, but it had to be done. Yeah, definitely, and it was very cool to read, but it was it's so funny because you wait all that time to hear about Snape, and then you hear about him right when you want to hear about what the heck else is going on. All right, well, thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Hello? Hey, Nancy. Yeah. Welcome. You're on the line with Pottercast. Oh. Hi. Hello. Hi. Sue. Stop. Her name is Nancy, not Sue, Nancy! John. Nancy! Hi! <laughs> John thinks everybody's Nancy. name is Sue now. <laughs> Sorry. Hedwig! <laughs> so how are you doing? Are you recovered from the weekend or what? Oh, yeah. Uh, major loss of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm already half asleep myself. <laughs> John. We're all, ah. we're all sort of walking, walking no, like, like through life in a... In a daze right now, a post Deathly Hallows daze. But it was worth it, right? You thought it was worth just staying plowing through it? What, I mean, did you love the book? Yeah, I liked the book a lot. But I thought the ending was a bit disappointing. But you know. The epilogue or the ending? Oh, the epilogue. Have you read the interviews that Joe said more about the characters since then? Yeah. Has that made it better for you? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody just wanted like a massive laundry list of who's where, who's doing what, you know. <laughs> She wanted yeah. just like yeah. a wanted just like a roster, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard for anybody to be too upset now that we have an encyclopedia announced. I know it's awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Very. That's gonna be friggin', you know, the Crookshank Spatoot. <laughs> the Crookshank Spatoot. So, have you reread any parts yet? I'm, I'm actually on my fourth reread. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. Do you want want to do this show for us? <laughs> Now, on your fourth reread, were you angry at Dumbledore for ordering Hedwig to her death? <laughs> Not really. John. Oh, he didn't say because go kill Hedwig. Because Dumbledore is directly responsible for Hedwig and Mad-Eye Moody's deaths. Oh, I don't blame Dumbledore for their deaths. He knew oh. some people would die. It's war. I'm sure if, if Harry, Harry made the connection, he'd be mad at Dumbledore for Hedwig's death. I think Harry has a lot more to be mad at Dumbledore about than Hedwig's death. <laughs> and, and Hedwig was a very important lady. You know, but Harry... Harry he delivered a lot of good mail. Harry could also be mad at him for <laughs> his own death. So, you know, or supposed death or half-death or death back yeah, to life. Well, <laughs> well, we never got to find out if, he- if Hedwig was an animagus. Well, I, I, I've heard, Scuttlebutt, that there is a movement happening that's maintaining that Hedwig is not dead. <laughs> Really? I don't know. Yeah, I've even heard that HedwigIsNotDead.com has been bought. I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I want to join. There's theories and everything. <laughs> it's intense. Wow. That she was, she she had Harry's, she was nibbling Harry's finger, so she had his magical blood in him. Perfect. So she, she wasn't really killed. <laughs> well, I don't know why she had to explode. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> She's already dead. I know. It's like let's let's make sure she's good and exploded. This this conversation makes me very sad. Car so and sad. it exploded. Yeah. She could have broken out. I mean, w- w- when when your bird is dead, you don't bombard it. It doesn't need to <laughs> explode. <laughs> or bombard a maxima. Bombard a maxima bird body. Hedwig. Bombard a birdia. I guess that would be that would be kind of bombard birdia. Okay. Nancy, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great night. Uh, you too. Thanks. Bye. Hello. Your call has been forwarded no. to an automated voice message. Aw, I'm going to leave her a message. Oh, a voicemail. Fun. Let's do it. Do it. Do it in. It's not available. 
At the tone, please record your message. When you finish, hang up or press <laughs> 1 for more options. To leave a callback number, press 5. Hello! I am the ghost of Hedwig! <laughs> Don't be sad, everyone. I'm in a better place. Except when I exploded. That was pretty rude. Oh, my God. John! Bye. <laughs> uh, don't listen to John. We're sorry we missed you for Vodacast. Hopefully next time. Bye! That <laughs> was hysterically bizarre. <laughs> You're just a lunatic. <laughs> if I, I was it. Hedwig, I'd come back as a ghost. She had unfinished business. So, oh, my God. <laughs> what kind of unfinished business does Hedwig have? She has all kinds of things. She didn't, like? she didn't you know, get her affairs in order. She she was she had no time. Mm-hmm. Very but sad. That's, that's how war is. War is cruel, even to birds. It's yeah. War is cruel. No, I mean even to birds. Exactly. Speaking of those deaths, though, don't don't you think it was a little inconsiderate of Harry to not invite Winky to Dobby's funeral, or to to consider that Dobby would have any friends that would want to attend the ceremony? And might get killed yeah. on the line. And 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 sacrifice them? I don't think so. He would. What do you Dobby mean? Would sacrifice unders- who? Well, I meant by by notifying them, they would be in peril. He was not going to put them in peril to come. You they know, could they have sent a little a little Patronus to Hogwarts that said, "Hey, Dobby's dead. Who wants to come over and hang out for a funeral?" I don't know. Dobby was pretty persona non grata in the Hogwarts kitchen okay. when we saw him last. <laughs> they were all pretty annoyed. Oh, and Winky, if I they mean, had been an uh, item, she would have known and understood because that would have been a dangerous thing that her her no. man elf had gone to save the day. You know? Yeah, but I, I would mean, have Creature probably could have went and retrieved Winky. Okay, we're we're <laughs> losing time here. Let's let's focus on what's important, shall okay. we? Mm. Hi, Jonna. Hi, who's this? This is Melissa with John. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, guys. Hey, Potter people. Potter people. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So I just wanted to um to just make this little comment which is a mystery from book one for me was finally solved with book seven mm-hmm. which is why didn't they give poor little Harry directions on to nine and three quarters and it was totally because Petunia had been there and I guess they just figured oh she'll tell him she's his aunt but oh my god Petunia had right. been there that witch didn't tell him yeah. how to get there I was like oh, oh. so mean she's I thought like because that was always, I was like, why, why didn't they do that for poor little, poor little guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. But that would be like. Well, I think it's just Hagrid oh, yeah, being that's true. It's forgetful. Definitely. It's a good point. Plus, she's, she's not very maternal, though. I mean, you know, to, to at least to Harry at that point, you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I think John feels the same way. I really wanted some more from Petunia from the I adult. I know that was that was very disappointing. I didn't have a whole lot of Dursley closure in, in specific with Petunia because I felt like when she was leaving, she had something to say. She was like at the tip of her tongue. She had something to say, yeah. And there, it was yeah. It was left so wide open, and it, yeah, I really wanted to know. We got to see more about like her past, but I want to know, yeah, what happened. What right. happens to you with poor Daedalus Diggle? Having <laughs> yeah. to deal with those three. Yeah, true. Good point. You should ask yeah. Joe for some deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah, deleted, deleted scenes. scenes. She should. Go, she should write them and stick them on a <laughs> website. Go back in one through seven and do the deleted scenes. 
Yeah, that's right. Like from different people's perspectives. Just give us like a hundred more pages per book. So did you oh, think that Harry it. and Dudley were actually going to be friends? Do you think later on they had, like, future contact? I kind of wonder about of that. Of course. Yeah? I don't know about that. Harry, well, like, Dudley, like, grudgingly comes to the family gatherings, and Harry does the same. It's like that cousin that you don't really yeah. want to see, but you're sort of obligated <laughs> to see, you know? No, I bet he comes around. But, you know, they, like, have, at least have an agreement. I think they're, I mean, I think they're cordial. I don't know if they're friends, like, hanging out. Hey, yeah. Dudders. Right. What you doing? They're on never going to be fast yeah. friends. Yeah. Hey, daughters, let's go catch a movie. Yeah. No, no. Okay, well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, thanks for calling. How awesome would it be if Joe just did write those deleted scenes? They would wrap the website. house down right there. You know, I heard I heard Joe is actually interested in doing the screenplay for uh, Deathly Hollows, the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, and she, how she, unhappy she was with all the other movies. <laughs> okay, we're ending this conversation right now. Um, you know what? I thought <laughs> not true, guys. Don't listen. Was from the thing that we kind of figured out in this one from the Sorcerer's Stone was how Dumbledore becomes invisible without an invisibility cloak. It's just like yeah. the, the super powerful dis like uh, disillusionment charm, or what's it mm-hmm. called? Is that what it is? I guess it is a disillusion. I guess it is a disillusionment charm. They're mentioned in this yeah. book, but we didn't learn how he zipped around the castle and knew all that stuff, did we? Hmm. Well, even Crab and Goyle well, were able to do the charm on themselves to enough to fool true. Um, Harry and the gang because they were they were in front of the room of requirement under the disillusionment yeah. charm. That's true. Yeah. Wow, good point, John. Boy, you're smoking these days on picking up that stuff. Wow. Are you rereading, John? <laughs> I haven't reread yet, but I'm about to. Wow. Yeah, I've been like rereading like favorite chapters. I haven't gone and just done a full, a full thorough reread. No, I don't. I don't have class tomorrow. I think I'm going to pick up the book, see what I can get through. Because I haven't really even read for myself chapter one because we read that oh. on the ride home because we all couldn't wait and we were all in separate cars and uh, right. in our car we read out loud chapter one and I, I had the drive and look look at the darn road so. <laughs> I still don't know what the heck's going on with that white peacock or whatever. Yeah. I was that kind of, well, the, I kind of perked up at that. I, is that like Malfoy's pet or something? It's like this, the guard at the gate is a white Not a guard, but it's like when you go to the Malfoy Manor, you see a white peacock. It just is a show of their wealth and, and ostentatiousness. I mean, why would, the, why would they pick like a friendly little, you know, nice peacock? Why wouldn't they pick like a oh, white Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect for him. No, I mean, because Lucius Malfoy especially was a, a bragger to show off, you know, a man yeah. of refinement and taste or whatever, like, you know, well, Rolling Stone yeah. saying the devil. But, you know, it fits him perfectly. I just thought it was like the perfect yeah. animal. It's showing off without without all the color and, and, yeah. and garishness that he was. Was the peacock ill tempered? No. No. But it was just, you know, kind of look at me. I'm a special kind of strutty kind of bird, kind of death eater kind of guy. You know, Lucius know. wasn't really actually ill-tempered either. <laughs> Did it have any laser beams attached to its head? Uh, okay, I'm calling the next person. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, that's when, we, that's when we call the next person, Sue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Alicia. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to Pottercast. Hi, oh my gosh. So how are you doing? What do you want to talk about about the book? Oh my gosh, how many things. Um, I just listened to your live podcast, actually, the Post-Deathly Hollows one, which was actually mm-hmm. some nice closure. I've been waiting to hear other people's mm-hmm. reactions on it because no one around me read it as quickly as I did. Yeah. Nice, actually. How long did it take you to read? 
It was less than 24 yeah. hours. I did eventually fall asleep at, at like 6.30 in the morning. Oh, so did we. We couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, we got it two hours later than New York, which was kind of a bummer. My sister was calling me and bragging me about getting it two hours earlier. No fair. As long as she didn't read yeah. the last page to me, I'd be okay. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, oh, I'd be. That'd make me very grumpy. Yeah, which I have to say, I can't thank you guys enough for really sticking to your spoiler policy. Oh, yay. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. It's, um... There's a lot of hard work from a lot of hard-working uh, moderators and all those people that yeah. did an awesome job. This, this past week. Seriously. I mean, there were people who literally selflessly had themselves spoiled just so that they could be the person oh, to stop on the oh, Spoiled completely. Really... They're like the oars in the front line. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. They're like the Tonks and the Lupins and the the Philbys. Tonks and Lupin, who I, I want to find out how they died. Oh, how Ramus died? How Tonks and Lupin died. Yeah, that was just... I think they were, I think they were snogging and like they got AK'd while they no. weren't looking. No. They got AK'd mid-snog. Well, that's the way to go, isn't it? Isn't love supposed to defeat the evil, though? I know. You'd think a good snog would reflect an AK, wouldn't it? I would think so. I know. Okay, well. Bunch of bullocks. Anything you specifically want to talk about, Alicia? Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I just have to say, well, two parts, actually. How awesome was Luna? Oh, Luna's the best. I didn't think I could oh, or that I already did. <laughs> but the fact that she and Ollivander had a relationship, that was just an unexpected twist that yeah. just made me laugh when I read that. When she was like, oh, I'll miss you. I was like, what? But it was so, it, like, made me so happy, you know? Just that they had that, and that he was like, like, you were such a comfort to me. Yeah. Yeah, she's such a little ray of sunshine, you know? She just... Uh, I love when she gets to the jail, they get to the jail, and it's it's like plain as day. She's just like, oh, I didn't want you to be arrested. (laughs) Like, like it's nothing, (laughs) you know? She has one of my favorite (laughs) lines about the Karos when when they get cursed, and she's like, oh, they're pleased. Yeah, that's so hysterical. all the Ravenclaws surrounding the Karo lady. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines, too. I love that. They're pleased. Yeah, and I love... I love the one, the part where she was able to, um, when Harry and Ron and Hermione, I can't remember why they were going there, but they couldn't fight off the Dementors, and it was her words of encouragement that were able to help them, when she was like, we're still here, we're still fighting, come on. I was just like, yeah, oh my I gosh. That was, that was one of those moments that sent me into water. Yeah, seriously. Aww. Seriously. Oh, and, and when she did the little, the short eulogy at Dobby's grave. Yeah. Oh, that was. Oh, yeah. Like I didn't think I could like her character anymore, but she just she was so awesome in this book. And I agree uh, with you guys what you were saying about the friends picture on her wall. Yes, wasn't that oh, that was so cool? Oh. You know, it's funny that we see her, we see her like probably ten times more than we see Jenny. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but she's kind of more amusing. <laughs> she is. She is. I would say. I I would agree. But I feel bad for Bonnie Wright, who probably was all getting geared up for this big Jenny-centric storyline, and Jenny going on the Horcrux hunt, and she's all like, wow, I'm hardly in here. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and I also had to say, um, I liked your discussions on your podcast about um, the the Prince's Tale, and I thought it was just kind of interesting. Like, after I finished reading that chapter, I can't say that any of it particularly surprised me, except that Snape and Lily's friendship had gone back so far, which kind of startled me when I realized that in the fifth book, you know, once Petunia knows what the Dementors are, and she tells Vernon, I heard that awful boy telling her about them. Mm-hmm. I realized she's talking about Snape, and, you know, you'd always assumed it was yeah. James. That just kind of startled me when I realized that it was Snape, and, the, you know, like, Petunia knew Snape. <laughs> Oh, I thought we yeah. thought it was Snape, boy. though, actually. I kind of thought, maybe. But. Yeah. 
It was a popular theory for a while. It was a popular theory. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That awful boy. But it was very cool to have a, for sure. And I know people were suspecting that the snake's worst memory was because of what he did to Lily, not because of what the marauders were doing to him. But that just really struck me, too, then, that that was right. I was like, holy cow, that really was why it was his worst memory. Because I kind of brushed off those theories. I didn't really think that there was a lot of validity in them. But there was a lot in this book reminded me of that of that theory that the 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 easiest answer to any question is usually the correct one. And so when we're talking about like the big questions, yeah, a lot of fans really did find the easiest answer and mm-hmm. get it right. But where things went crazy is 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 when the new elements were were to the added to the story that you couldn't possibly guess at, you know? Yeah. But when, since we've spent six books with our characters, we sort of knew their emotions and knew what they were going to do, and the big stuff was pretty on target, which. We were so un- unable to believe because we'd spent six books completely thrown off track by her, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, seriously. So, yeah. So where does it rank for you guys as far as the favorite? Like, is it do you, is Half-Blood Prince? I, I thought, Melissa, you said a, lo- a while ago that Half-Blood Prince was your favorite, like when you were in London. It was. Is it, is was. it still? This, this has bypassed. No, this has bypassed. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that this can't be. I mean, look at that last third of that book. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, this is far and away my favorite, too. I have to thank you for your link to Cheryl's um, blog on the epilogue, because I had gotten so tired of reading derogatory comments about it. Because, I mean, Me yeah, too. like you said, it was kind of sappy, but I didn't think it deserved the backlash it was getting <laughs> at the same time. So I really liked her comments. Don't you think that J.K. Rowling has earned a couple of sappy pages after 5,000 crazy ones? Gosh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> and I was yeah. kind of, I don't know, I mean, I'm not really a sappy person, but I was kind of glad, you know, I was just kind of glad to think, like for my husband, what he said, he said that it was just too hard for him because he said if it had come out like maybe six months after the book, he probably would have liked it more. And I said, man, well, yeah, but... I'm glad I have it now at the same time. And did you read what she said? I was glad to know today when she was telling about what their professions were. Yeah, me too. Their closure. Yeah. That was kind of what I was hoping. So. I find it really interesting that they, that they sort of all grew up enough to realize that the way to affect the most mm-hmm. change was actually to walk right into the beast, into the ministry, and mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that was so cool. And that, I mean, I liked that, that she said they completely revitalized it, and that Hermione was working there. <laughs> yeah, but I like how they it took them good... some time, though, to do it. She said it doesn't, it takes them a couple years to do it. So I thought that's really cool that you wonder what, yeah. what they were doing and that kind of thing, you know? Just awesome. And they, and, and they made it a good yeah. world. You know, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they do. You know, in the more mundane things that don't get books written about them way, that's another way to make the world better for people. And they still go on doing it because they're not enough of heroes, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Very true. Yeah, Yeah, no, I really, I liked all that too. And I love what you guys have been putting on your side. It's just, it's been nice. It's so sad that it's over. But at the same time, I mean, it's just, I'm really happy that we know the ending at the same time. And so. Yeah, me too. Your side's been a comfort in the time Aww. of regretting it's being it's over <laughs> well it's not over we got plenty more to go it's just never going to reach this pitch again yeah i know the encyclopedia very cool it'll never be over melissa and i were talking last night about the possibility of us waiting uh at, at a midnight queue for the worldwide release of the fantastic beasts and creatures and where to find them the movie after we exhaust every <laughs> other jk rowling thing because we're trying to figure out, is there any way to make a movie from anything from the encyclopedia that she puts out? The Quidditch one. 
The quote if is you just you can... like handpick like five or six stories out of it and just try to make like a movie, yeah. like 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 it's a collection of little uh, little stories. Yeah, I think I think it, you could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, yeah I don't I don't know I I've yet to see an encyclopedia movie. Has there been any other kind of encyclopedia <laughs> movie? Uh, the history of Mel Brooks, history of the world. Does that count? Maybe not. That's true. Well, okay. <laughs> I want to see All it. Right, well, let's <laughs> put into like a little mini series and like take one character every episode. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Because yeah. then, then we'd have like a two-hour <laughs> okay. dollar special. Oh, he got his butt kicked. Or dollars or how I got my butt kicked by a lady in a vulture hat. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on. What would you have done if he would have kicked Neville's granny's butt? Would you have been like, oh, way to go, dollars beating up an old lady? No, you'd be like mortified. How dare you, dollars? No, dollars did the only sensible, gentlemanly thing. Yeah, that was it, John. Uh-huh. He, he gentlemanly went into St. Mungo's. It's pretty, it's pretty that much was... a bunch of crap is what it is. Okay, you are getting a little too excited right now. <laughs> so when did he say it was John Dollish, just out of curiosity? I saw that post. Yeah, at the she, release. she said that at uh, for the, the midnight release thing. Somebody asked her the question. Somebody asked her what Dollish's first name was. Because John from the Leaky Cauldron wanted to know. <laughs> so. That's so funny. Well, way yeah, to go. Yeah, and good job great. on your theories, John, by the way. I know. After they did pretty good. I was like, no way. <laughs> I just, I, I love that, like, even even things like John always talking about how Expelliarmus is what Harry always does. And what do they do? They start talking about how everybody's recognizing Expelliarmus as Harry's signature move, you know? Yeah. And that's what saved the it's, day, right? Isn't that, yeah? Uh, yeah, and the, John actually might have said on an earlier podcast, hey, Hey, what's what's John? What's Harry gonna do? Walk up, walk up to Voldemort and go Expelliarmus, <laughs> and it's exactly what he Pretty did. Pretty much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Melissa, were you at all disappointed that Harry was a Horcrux? Because I know you've been, you know, kind of the on that theory. Is, the thing with the Harry is a Horcrux thing is that I had firmly set myself against it because I, it meant to me that he had to die. Mm-hmm. So there was no, I was not going to believe in anything that meant that Harry had to die because the whole idea of a Dementor finding which piece of soul to suck out of him was pretty, pretty ludicrous to me. So, so I, I was like, no, no, he absolutely will not be a Horcrux. There's no way. Despite all, like, like you said, like we said, the easiest answer was that he was a Horcrux. Yeah. So I just firmly, it was denial, <laughs> you know. So I, I really, you know, I'm very happy to be wrong if it meant that he not only um, killed Voldemort but got to live. Yeah. So. I still, I still don't really like it, just because it's not like he's not a real regular Horcrux. He's like this, you know. His the soul was so weak that it was just breaking apart at the seams, and that anybody in the room would have turned into a quote Horcrux, because that's what this little piece latched onto. It's like right. we have a whole huge book, horrific book about how to make a Horcrux, and it's, none of its knowledge is even utilized, because it just happens kind of by accident. Yeah, but you know what? Nobody in the Wizarding World had ever heard of somebody making more than one Horcrux. So to, to, at that point, to be going to your seventh, is sort of understandable that the soul would become that unstable. The only thing that confuses me is that yeah, Dumbledore calls him a Horcrux, but then we hear that living bodies are actually the opposites of horcruxes so which is he is he an actual horcrux or is it just like this weird anomaly that we're going to call a horcrux because it's easy i, I think you that know? was exactly what i thought when i was reading it dumbledore just said it he was a horcrux because it's just the easiest way to go by explaining it because there's there's no history of anything like that because you're right because the horcrux the opposite, is the, con- is the, the container is the opposite of the horcrux yeah and didn't think the horcrux is the container didn't they say it was inadvisable to ever do it on a living thing 
Like, didn't you say even mm-hmm. Nagini was kind of taking a chance? Yeah. yeah I still don't get why he made Nagini a Horcrux. That was pretty dumb. Well, it is, it is dumb, because if you want something that's going to keep you alive forever, don't make something that cannot live forever something that you need to stay alive. You know, that, that was a really dumb way to say it, but it's like a cup, sure, not a, a snake. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> a cup has a very long life. I really want to see the scene where Hermione stabs the Hufflepuff cup. Awesome. Yeah, that would be cool, actually. Maybe they do it in a backflash or something as Ron's explaining it. Oh, it was nothing. Movie, I'm sure yeah. they took probably about three seconds and then they just made out the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take that long to get out of the chamber, right? They had a broom, so... <laughs> Some people have said, and I wanted your opinion on if she answered this or not, that she never answered who else was in Godric's Hollow the night that the Potters were killed. I thought it was she the, did. the bag shot. I thought that was what she was indicating, with the fact that she still was there. That she answered it and that it had to be nobody. It had, nobody, it had to be that nobody was in that house. Wait, what? She answered this when? In the in the books, it says in the book it says that it had to be nobody because otherwise that somebody else would have been involved. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So, I, but I thought that she said for all, all this time that there was somebody else. No, she just yeah. never answered the question. Yeah, I thought I thought she said there was someone else in Godric's Hollow, not necessarily in the house. No, we asked her and she said no comment. Oh, okay. Mm. Tricky, 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 tricky. <laughs> okay. Alicia, thank you so much. Hey, yeah, I can't wait to hear the next Potter cast. Cool. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Can I can I say something while we're still on this? <clears throat> a lot of people have been saying that I they were just dis- someone said that they were disappointed about the epilogue that I was disappointed, and I can I'd like to talk about that. Can I just say this? I was yes, yeah, because so how dare you not love every single drop of everything in every single book? How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm very happy. I mean, ultimately, obviously, I want Harry to have a family. That's very important to me. I make no no secret about that. But I was just disappointed in the way that it was written. And I just think, personally, and I don't know this for a fact, that maybe Joe wrote this many years ago, and she's since progressed as a writer. So for me, it was a change in tone and way of writing. And I just, that's what, that's what let me down. It wasn't so much the content, although the names... The Scorpius name was a little <laughs> freaky. And, Scorpius, you know. Crazy. And, yeah. and, and, and I wanted more detail. Like you said, maybe I am one of those people that wanted that laundry list of, of information, but I don't know. I just, it just, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, so I know that makes me a bad person. But it doesn't I just... make you a bad person. But respectfully, though, I'm <laughs> going to disagree on the, on the writing style because I think it's just different than what we're used to. But I think that she might have. St- wrote it a long time ago but that she's probably edited it heavily since you know yeah i mean then. yeah yeah i just i don't know I, I just it seemed to me i don't know it just wasn't was i maybe because i had this expectation in my head yeah. that could be part of it that it just wouldn't didn't meet that so maybe that's 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 part of my that influenced yeah. it i don't know i just i, I was not ready for something so free of conflict you know that's true that's true that's, that's, that's true it too because it felt like for some reason unexplainedly that it was like Stepping back into the past instead of the future, I think it's just because we haven't had something so free and easy, and so you know, oh yay, nine and three quarters, Hogwarts, happy, happy. Like since Sorcerer's Stone, and there was a lot of similar parallels, even in what was happening there, and like the conversations with the oh, sure. with the daughter Lily and Jenny and everything, and yeah, it, came so it, full it felt circle. like something out of Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, it did. I agree with you, John. It totally came for a circle that it came, you know, this is the routine, but I, I don't know. It just, I don't know. 
Um, just, I, while we're talking about it, we linked to this on Pottercast.com, but I want to bring it to some other people's attention. Um, Cheryl, Hot Cheryl, who is one of the editors on Harry Potter and has been on this show before, oh, yeah. who's making her rounds in the media. I don't know if you guys have noticed. She's been on like like uh, Nightline, and now she's in Entertainment Weekly. It's like, yeah, go Cheryl. Um, she's hot stuff. They must have heard her on our show and decided they wanted <laughs> to get her on their yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, she posted a bunch of, sp- of, of, of thoughts on her blog, which is really, for anybody who's interested in writing or editing, a great blog to mm-hmm. read. It's Shavala Lockway at blogspot.com, which is C-H-A-V-E-L-A-Q-U-E dot blogspot.com. And here's a couple of things that she says about the epilogue. Um, the epilogue. It's not receiving much love, I see. People, some people hate it because it doesn't answer all their questions. Some people hate it because it gives answers they don't want. And some people just find it cheesy. I think it paid off five essential themes. And I'll try and do these short. Family. Harry, at the end, has a wife and children, a godson, many brothers-in-law, all their wives and children, and the acceptance of the full wizarding community, which is different than he had in the beginning. Number two mm-hmm. is maturity. His son's name signifies that he's, he's you know, come to terms with what, with what Snape has done and, and given him this high compliment of naming, some, of naming a child after him. To, you know, it shows us that Harry has grown up and become wise. Fame, we see that he's, he's happily simply being a father, but that he's sort of like used to it and is okay with people gawking at him or whatever. Uh, choice. He tells Albus that it is our choices far more than our abilities. He has, he, you know, he passes Dumbledore like wisdom onto his child, and mm-hmm. power or where where real happiness comes from. It's resolutely domestic. There's kids squabbling and dads talking about parking. It's a scene straight out of typical middle class family life plus wands. As far mm-hmm. as we as far as we know from it, Harry is not powerful. He is not super important. He does not wield any significant power. He is just a dad who loves his family. This this says Cheryl. I think maybe part of the reason why people dislike the epilogue so much. The chosen special one, the boy who lived, the one we've identified with all this time, has become just a regular guy. Which means, by fictional standards especially, that frankly his life is a little boring. But J.K. Rowling is, sh- is showing us clearly that he's finding happiness in everyday love and domestic life ra- rather than big fantasy heroism. He is a Jane Austen and not a World of Warcraft hero in the end. And that is a kind of happy ending we can all aspire to. All was well. Yeah, I, I, I like that last line, actually. And, you know, can I, I just say this? I don't want But when I had to write a thing about what I thought the, the last ending of, of the book, how it should end. And I had a little scenario when they were at the family gathering, only it was Hermione's, from Hermione's perspective. And it was like her and Ron were married and they had a baby. And there's all that kind of, So I'd agree with that. I love how Cheryl phrased that about that domestic, that greatest joy can be in your domestic, the simplest things like that. And that, wow, that yeah. was really nice. That's really yeah. cool. I have an an interesting point. point. I don't. I don't. Just it just occurred to me as you were reading that, it makes me wonder how how personally offended Joe would be by people not enjoying the way that Harry decided to find his happiness because it seems like that that she's kind of writing herself into Harry a lot here. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. She's she's amassed you know as much as she has you know wealth wise, and she's decided you know and rightly so to raise her kids and you know just like any other family and try to keep them grounded and try to you know raise them away from the fame and spotlight just as harry seems to be doing with his kids and that they're finding that finding happiness and you know the simple pleasures of just Mm -hmm. a a regular everyday life and you know a loving family and Mm -hmm. and and staying away from you know living in the limelight and living you know, gratuitously and, you know, all high society with all this money and stuff and all this fame. So 
I I I I see a lot of similarities between between those two situations there, and and it, it makes a little more sense to me as to why that was such an appealing way for yeah. for Harry to turn out too. It's how she's found her happiness too, wealth and fame yeah. and power, and she's you know an article just recently mentioned that she has a minivan and she you know right hanging, right you know? <laughs> it's. It's astounding. It's, awesome. it's it's it just shows the, somebody uh, who was I talking about before the book came out about how the book would end and the book would end with a reminder because we were talking about Philip Pullman's books and right. that the book ends yeah. with a resolute reminder of what his core uh, life theory kind of is, you know, or mm-hmm. or it's a mm-hmm. reflection at least of of it. And we said, well, that that should be the same way with J.K. Rowling. The book will end with a reminder of the central like like her central theory of life or whatever. And it does. It's that, it's that happiness is found in your family and it's, it's pretty amazing. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of been the underlying theme about family. Harry's found his family at Hogwarts and, and now he has his own real family. And I think that that's, you're right. That's lovely. Yeah, and I'm not just, I mean, lovely. Totally lovely. I mean, I would venture to say that I bet you if Harry were to be put in front of that mirror of air set again, he would see the same reflection at this uh, point. Isn't that nice? Maybe yeah. that should, it would have been a nice, you know, yeah. You'd see his wow. whole family in there now. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, that's, that's such a great picture to have in your head, you know? That just, oh, that gave me chills, Oh, Donna. I want like that, that fan art. Can I get that fan? Can somebody draw just Harry standing from yeah. the mirror of Arisa, just <laughs> seeing himself? I think it would be uh, so great. Seriously, that would be great. I bet some of them, they could do that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be nice. Okay, wow. let's go on to the next. Okay. Yeah. Let's bring some more peeps in. Hello. Hi, Ben. Hey. Is this Pottercast? It is. Is this Grubbly Plank? <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to you guys for a long while, and actually, uh, my friend John and I, who have a radio show, we were trying to get you guys on a radio show for our preview for book seven. If you guys want to come on on Sunday, we'd love to have you still. But oh, I'm sorry that we we haven't seen it, but yeah, sure, we'd love to if we have time. Um, when I got the book, and you know, I opened it up, I didn't even look at the dedication this time, which is weird for me because you know I've seen them all, and I you know, Ain Poot and Jane Keeley, the the godmothers of swing, but. I looked at the frontispiece piece and I was shocked mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. Aeschylus and the libation verse. The frontispiece piece is the thing that comes before the, you know, the plot of the book. It's the praise right. from other authors. Uh-huh. And the libation verse was something that I studied this year. I'm an English major, and I happen to have studied the three plays that Aeschylus wrote and libation verse being the middle of them. And the quote itself is about uh, the family who rules a city, and they've had this cycle of bloodshed, similar to the whole Elder Wand thing. And, you know, obviously I don't know what the Elder Wand is at this point, but uh, basically the entire play is about ending it through justice. And that's basically what happens with Harry and Voldy at the end of the book. I was amazed to know that I'm like, oh my God, I can see what's going to happen already. So that was a cool moment well, for me. Well, I haven't, I, I just, I hadn't studied either of those works, and I opened that page, and we read those poems first, and I almost burst into hysterical tears because I was sure that it meant he was going to die, and she was ready for it, she was readying us for it, you know? Yeah. And we just oh, kept going, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, they're about death, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm I'm a little amused now, just knowing how upset Melissa was when she saw the first picture there of Hedwig oh, yeah. and the wand, and uh, how that totally sold her about Harry dying, well, and totally did not sell her as Hedwig dying. No, it didn't. Because <laughs> if you look at the picture, the, the front art on every other book, I mean, like for six, I think it was Dumbledore, and for for five, it was Padfoot going out of twelve Grimoire plates. It's it's like a huge clue to the end. So I'm like, why is Harry's wand sitting there alone with with Hedwig? At the, what? What? 
you know? Well, I thought it was a little obvious that they drew X's in Hedwig's eyes. They did. Oh, John. they did I thought not. They should have given it. <laughs> they did in my book. Didn't Are you serious? I think maybe Bree did that to play a joke on you. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> yes. With the art for this very Grand Prix, uh, you know, she yeah. drew our attention with the sky, but, you know, the, the walls are opaque. None of us noticed. Oh, it's got to be the Great Hall. So right. that's on her part. No, um, I'm actually curious to as to what you guys think uh, is the basis for the names of Hugo and Rose. I, I mean, me being an English major, I thought, oh, Hugo is a Victor Hugo reference, and Rose is a Stephen King reference. He wrote, writes about the Rose of creation, but I have no idea and no basis for calling that fact. Hmm. Um, mm. I I, per, I personally thought it was a testament to some children that have written her along the way. Joe does a lot of charity work, and I I, I like to I don't know I'm just guessing that I thought maybe she put those attribute to some of the maybe some of the sick children or something or some child that's. I thought that's I heard somewhere that her grandfather's name was Hugo. Really, really, that could no, be. No, actually, I know both of her grandfather's names, uh, Stan and Ernie. All right. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I, I don't think that's the case. But um, I, I just want to let you guys know you're doing a great job uh, with the podcast. Yeah. Keep it up until all the movies and the encyclopedia <laughs> and everything else she ever does comes out. Oh, my gosh. And we'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and I bawled when Dobby died. I absolutely oh, bawled. Oh, oh, me too. I mean, how can you not? I just... Uh, it, it was gut-wrenching. Absolutely. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. That was brutal email about uh, our radio show. We're doing a wrap-up show on Sunday, and we'd love to have you guys call in, but I understand if you're too busy. Oh, have a give good it a night. shot. Thanks a lot. Thanks. That's so nice. I had not read either of those plays, but now that I look at that, it didn't even occur to me to think more about that whole, what those those plays were in those poems, the, the libaceous bears that he was referring to. Yeah. I was just more gripped yeah. by the William Penn thing, because I had read that one, so Wow. I have to go read those now. Dude, I was I was distraught. You couldn't even look at me. Like, we were in the car. I'm like, no, no, no. And I turned the page. I'm like, no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, I got I got pissed off at you because I'm like, god darn it. Just read the book but the- and stop trying to throw everybody off. Oh, look who's talking. Just read the book. Mr. Mr. I, what, what are you up to? And I tell you what I'm up to. And he goes, I hate that witch. And I hadn't been anywhere near um, read the Rita Skeeter article yet. And oh, <laughs> I was like, John, I was talking about somebody leave else. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 can I say I love the way Joe and her humor in this book and the way she wrote that Rita Skeeter article with some serious jabs at some people Dude, well known. The, oh my gosh. I've, and it was brilliant. And I just was like, oh, I couldn't stand that awesome. thing. I got, I made me so this mad. This is such a perfect, a perfect lampoon on profile pieces, puff pieces that yes, you see in was. every newspaper. There's, oh, we go into yes. her marvelously wooden paneled, elegant home and she offers me biscuits. It isn't she a wonderful person? Like, it, so. It was perfect. <laughs> we've read that story so many times. I've always tried uh-huh. not to. How many to write people that have story? done profiles about Joe like that? Absolutely, yes, they, have. they have. We just they recently have. they said she offers us me muffins or something. It was so she's funny. like a hermit, you know, like the people saying she's the recluse and all this, like you know, nonsense, you know. And here we find out she's driving to the grocery store in a minivan. You know, I mean, it's just ludicrous. Those things, those articles, those books. I'm totally going to move books. over there so I can just hang out at her grocery store and just chills all day until she needs groceries. <laughs> Good job. You're going to lurk arrested. in the in the fresh food section, aren't you, John? Just going to kind of spring out. I would. I'd, I'd work. I, I would work produce out there. As long as you meet her wearing radishes on your ears, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, that'd be perfect. No, they're not radishes anymore. They're like, Joe, do you want some melons today? Like, here's some melons for you. They're oh, dirigible God. plums. They're not radishes now. Yeah. I know. Isn't that gross? 
Do you think they have like some kind of like everlasting ripeness uh, spell on them or something so their earrings them. don't get gross? Yeah, she's probably got them pretty charmed. <laughs> I hope yeah. anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. Imagine her. Oh, Luna showed up with her moldy earrings. John, you should ask her that. One of your in the chat questions, you should ask her that. Ask her about the produce spells that we're missing. No. No, no, no. I only have one question for her, and is that why does Dolly need to be the punching bag for everybody <laughs> in the book? Because that is, was that was so disheartening. Aww. Hello. Patty, you're still Hello. awake. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Pottercast. Pottercast. Yay! God, I can't believe you called me, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I, I'm brilliant. In the middle of the night, we're so sorry, but hello. <laughs> oh, well, true. Oh, God, I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, tell us what you want to talk about. You've won 100 chocolate frogs. Woo! <laughs> 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 oh, how do you feel about being canon, John? What? Yes, he's canon. How does John, John feel canon? about being canon? <laughs> I, I have a canon card now. It's laminated. <laughs> I keep it in my wallet. <laughs> I get free pizza every other Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So what'd you think of the book? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah? I was really pleased. I, I was broke up with uh, living in Tongstai, but the end of it was the end. You know, it was how it was supposed to end. Harry, you know, uh, going off happily into the sunset kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Did you like oh, the yeah. family thing? Yeah, I liked him having a family, though. I mean, the the I didn't like the writing of the chapter, but I just loved I loved that he had a family. And yeah, you know. it was all that. Plus, she's promised an encyclopedia. We're going to get all the yeah. details that we really wanted yeah. anyway. So, how big do you think that's going to be? How how big of a thing can she write? I hope it's not as small as like the Fantastic Beasts and Creatures or something. I hope it's at least as big as Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> oh, you know, good. she could easily write twice that. Yeah, and we'll be fine I with know. that. She should just publish her notebooks in their present form. <laughs> did you get to, Did you not ask her about that, Melissa? Uh, I'm back at the Half Blood Prince release. What if after book seven we could just just rifle through all her stuff? <laughs> um, no, just oh, about God. her maybe publishing the notebooks or something. No. Uh, we did. We just asked her how many boxes of backstory it was at this point, and she just said that she did. She even had no idea <laughs> how much it was. So, oh I, god! Yeah, I really, I really. Oh gosh, I want to go over every single choice she made. I just want to. Oh god! Don't even get me thinking about. <laughs> what do you think Dean Thomas's story is? She said Dean Thomas had this big old story. Have you never read her website, John? Yeah, it's in her website. Yeah, I, I know, I know, it's in her website, but it's like. <laughs> I'm like, how, how much more is it that we can hear about Dean Thomas? Well, my question well, is, if that's the, if there's that much about Dean Thomas, imagine how much she has in general. You're right. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that Dean Thomas had an uncle who opened a bunch of fast food chains in America with hamburgers, mm-hmm. and um, traveled the country, yeah. so selling his old-fashioned hamburgers. Thanks, John. It's not the Wendy's guy, okay? No. Oh, 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 oh. go ahead. Sorry, speaking of fast food, uh, I went to America back in March, went to New York, loved the place. John, Chipotle rocks. Oh, darn right it does. Darn right it does. Since Pottercast started, I heard about you banging on about Chipotle saying, oh, it's brilliant, it's brilliant. As soon as I got to America, I found out there was a Chipotle right down the street. So I went right down the street and had Chipotle. 
<laughs> oh, we're sorry. Well, now, now answer me this, though. Now, I, I have to return the favor, so next time I travel to Ireland, where should I go eat? Well, personally, I work in a restaurant in Dundalk called Winter. I'm a chef there, and I would recommend that highly to any person. Oh, no. No. Oh, boo. We got to call no. him back. I don't oh, know. that's great. I want to hear the name of his restaurant again. He, I love his voice. I think he hit like, I don't know, a button. The, I'm on the edge of my seat. I know. What I know. the heck? Hold on. We were talking food. This is Pottercast specialty. We like to talk food. Right, for real. Get him back. How, cl- how close is Ireland to Scotland? Uh, oh, it's not that close. It's not that far, Skype actually. It's credit, and I just bought Skype credit, but it hasn't hit yet. Oh, no. Oh, this is problematic. This is problematic. How am I on the phone? I have no idea. I think it's Ireland. Oh, oh, it's the U.S. Oh, we're going to have to say goodbye to our Irish Irish oh. friend for the moment. We love you. Thank oh, you. It was so lovely talking to you. Send it to us in email. Oh, I, I can yes, buy Skype credit, it. but it's going to take a long protracted. We need to know where to eat. It's going to yeah. be a long protracted thing. Isn't it, isn't it just like a little swim to get from Scotland from Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not that far. I would love to go. I mean, Scotland and we Ireland. Need to take, we need to take a little rocking. trip, you guys. Yeah. Well, I think we should do it. I think I think it's time for a podcast road trip. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah, seriously. Like 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 cup four days, three days. Yeah, four days. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Is this Chris? Hey. Yes. It's time for podcast. Oh, hello. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going great. That's wonderful. <laughs> we got John and Melissa, Sue, and Grubbly Plank here. No, Squee. Sweet. <laughs> Ready to take your question? You sent us. You sent us a couple of good questions. So go ahead, go barrel down them. Okay, my first question was, um, how do you think Dumbledore got the, the Elder Wand from Grindelwald if Grindelwald's wand was supposed to be unbeatable? Mm-hmm. Here's a question. How does anybody get the Elder Wand if it's unbeatable? That's, well, what, that's what confused that, me. The thing. Apparently, they have to sneak up on him and say Expelliarmus. Well, what I think is that the Elder Wand is not actually unbeatable. Is that it's attracted yeah. to power and will go to the person who has the power, but it's not. I mean, that was a myth. There's no unbeatable wand. Well, it's like. I think it would. it's p- more powerful than any other wand if you just put it up spell versus spell. But it's probably, you know, it's just as possible to disarm somebody with it right. if they're not attempting to block it, you know? Yeah. Right. Is, didn't Rita say something like, is it possible that, that Grindelwald just raised a little white handkerchief that he conjured or something? Like, you know, it's like surrendering pretty much? Because that, that would be a way to beat him if he surrenders. Plus, didn't Rita say, like, uh, yeah, she she called into question how great their duel was. Right. Grindelwald, maybe there was some remorse in Grindelwald, and he just kind of gave up. Well, there really was, it really was a duel of power, I think. I think, like Dumbledore said, like, I, you know, I beat him. It, I, you know? Well, Grindelwald was, was afraid of Dumbledore as far as power was concerned, because Dumbledore was more powerful than Grindelwald. A lot more powerful than... The only thing Dumbledore was afraid of was was hearing the result of who was responsible for his sister's death. He wasn't afraid of Grindelwald's power by any means. He was he was only afraid of finding that out, and Grindelwald knew that. Gr- Grindelwald was was quite afraid of Dumbledore, I would imagine. That was, that was just one thing that kind of stuck out at me. Like maybe she kind of glossed over that. Now Dumbledore has the Elder Wand, where yeah impossible to beat someone with it. <laughs> well, I mean, the guy who originally had the other one from the story, I mean, gets killed 
just, you know, if somebody stabs him in the back, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and that was and, another question. How did, uh, are we to believe that Grindelwald stole the wand from Grigorovich, and is that necessarily beating him for the wand? Uh, yeah, I mean, ju- hmm. I don't know how you define beating, I guess. It's, right. I mean, well, stealing it? I, well, I Harry, know. oh, Harry gets the Elder Wand by stealing it from Dra- by stealing. He gets the allegiance of the Elder Wand by stealing Draco's wand by overpowering Draco. Right. Yeah. Why doesn't Voldemort get the allegiance from stealing it from Dumbledore's? From uh, yeah. Because it, Dumbledore wasn't in po- in possession of it at that time. Draco was. Yeah, that's right. Because Dr- Draco had the wand at that point. But see, my, here's my question about it. So, how long did Dumbledore have that wand? Long time. Since Grindelwald okay. up until the Since top 45? Yeah. So, why didn't he just completely obliterate Voldemort in the battle in the Ministry of Magic if he had that wand? And yet, Voldemort was able to, like, match him. Well, I think it's just that it's just that Voldemort was so powerful that even with the power of the Elder Wand, they were matched. Because it's not an unbeatable wand. Yeah. You know? And it's not like he can kill Voldemort. Only Harry can do that. Right. By destroying yeah, that's all the true. Yeah. That's true. He couldn't even do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Chris, thank you, dude. That was a good no problem. Thank you. Night. Thanks. Bye. See, the, the, the Elder Wand and the other hollows are coming up under the same kind of heat the Horcruxes came under around book six time. Is Why are we introducing something so huge? Yeah. Something, something we, we have never heard anything at all about before. So late in the game, but you know and that's a book. You can't you can't have this book and not yeah. have a new mystery. You have to. Well, there's a new mystery in every book. It would be really boring if it was just old stuff. Well, oh, I don't think this book would be boring at all without the hollows in it. Yeah, I, I I'd agree with John. I don't. I think that there's so much. She could have gone either book. way with it. No, I, I think know. you needed the hollows. You needed the hollows, and again, I'm going to quote Cheryl because she just keeps saying things that make perfect sense and just sort of jive. Well, Cheryl made a good sense is, about it too. Is that is that you, he needs to be presented. He needs to overcome power. He needs to be presented with the choice between power and giving it up. And you can't do that without objects like the Hollows. You know. But wouldn't the Horcruxes themselves couldn't have been? Couldn't they been a subject and uh, 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 presented an element of temptation to him? No, because no, because that that's not attaining power. That's attaining immortality. He had the chance to overcome death and gave it up for, as Cheryl says, normalcy in a sandwich, and. You know, and and it's it's so it's different than defeating um, than you know, Harry would have never been tempted to do the Horcruxes because that's that's murder. You have to commit murder. You have to be evil. Yeah. He, he had a way to gain power over everything in the world and he gave it up and he wouldn't have had to commit murder in order to get it. I, I don't know. I guess I guess I didn't see the need to, to, to enter in the the need to uh, conquer power, the temptation of power as well as the temptation of immortality. I just thought that his task was enough, but I mean, it worked, but it just... Oh, I see the I difference, mean, I see the difference, yeah. and I, I mean, there's mm. probably, there, there probably could have been other, there's an endless creative ways you could present Harry with, with, with yeah. power. I, I mean, you could have made him, you know, the heir of Gryffindor or something. You could have done all kinds of things with those objects and stuff, but... It was interesting to read about the myth of the three brothers and all that. And I yeah, sort of like that it goes I, back I, I its know. mythic, and it also makes Harry's ancestry important. You know, um, because there there's an old there's an old quote from hers where she talks about his ancestry, which is why when the era of Gryffindor theory got shot down, everybody was like, "What? 
no way, you know? But, I mean, it had to be something yeah. that Voldemort was also chasing because he now he had the choice. He had the choice yeah. to not run into a situation half-cocked like Hermione is always yelling at him for doing. He had a choice to reject power. He had... He had which would he choose? Hallows or Horcruxes? Hallows or Horcruxes? And remember that he chooses not to act, and he's terrified by it, but it ends up being his mm-hmm. salvation. It just shows a maturity. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, one thing I liked about those Hallows, can I just say this totally obscure thing, but I like that she had the, how they related it to the Muggle mythology and children mythology in it too, and it kind of, I like that, that parallel, so she was kind of saying to the reader, see, look, there's mythology, everybody still has it, you know, even though my books are, you know, there's so much criticisms about my books, about all these different, you know, she talked about Star Wars and obviously Lord of the Rings and all these different kind of things, and I just thought that was kind of like a nice little subtle touch, I like that, yeah. I mean, he, cool. he, he, he gets it all. He's probably the only person who could have wielded the hollows because he gets it all. The, the, everything uh, that they yeah. represent and everything that he, all the themes um, of like, of love and death and whatever in his world, he, he gets. And so only because he gets them and he's presented with this opportunity to wield them and turns it away. And he's the only person in the world who turns it away. Even Dumbledore makes him like the overarching hero and i just sort of loved that it wasn't that we read about dumbledore's big defeat of a dark wizard and now we have harry's big defeat of a dark wizard that in the end they were all parts and halves and pieces of the same fight and that makes harry the hero period not just another hero yeah you know yeah which i just i just ah made me very happy that's a really good point that's a good point that's a good way to look at it hello hey mr kern yes it's melissa john and sue from pottercast oh it's pottercast (laughs) for those who don't know Mr. Edmund Kern is the author of several books about Harry Potter. Uh, he's one of the first people we ever interviewed on Leaky, which so it's got a special place in my heart. And you sent us a great email about what we were just talking about, which is the, we were. the Deathly Hallows and whether they're a sideshow or an important part of the plot. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, at, a first, uh, at first glance, the Deathly Hallows um, seem to be sort of an extraneous plot development. Like, why is, uh, you know, Dumbledore raising this whole issue with Hermione by putting the, uh, the symbol in the, uh, the book that he gives to her. But I think if you think about it a little bit, they really are integral to the plot because I think that they represent three different temptations mm-hmm. Harry has to uh, overcome, um, ultimately to sort of finalize what I think is Dumbledore's plan, as it's uh, elaborated in the book. Harry has to stop fleeing from death And if you think about it, the first two-thirds of the book or so, um, you know, Harry is in hiding. And then finally, after they break into Gringotts, we encounter a chapter that's called The Last Hiding Place. You know, and after that, Harry is out there in the open, sort of engaging Voldemort. And I think that, um, you know, he has to sort of master that, um, that, that, uh, that temptation to remain in hiding, so to speak. Um, also, if we think about the Resurrection Stone a little bit, I think that it represents to a great deal Harry's past, and particularly the longing for his parents, for Sirius, and his family generally. And uh, for me, that carries certain resonances with something that we encounter in the first book before the Mirror of Erised, where Dumbledore tells Harry that he has to um, sort of, you know, not to dwell on dreams, but rather... To, uh, you know, he, he can't draw on dreams for getting to live. And in essence, I think that Harry once again has to give up sort of hope, if you will, of once again encountering his family or any of the people that he's lost. And then finally, I think that the Elder Wand represents to some degree 
a desire on Harry's part to use power or direct force against Voldemort. And if um, the final <clears throat> the final battle between Harry and Voldemort is going to succeed, Harry has to willingly embrace death. In other words, he has to accept sacrificing himself rather mm-hmm. than using power or force against Voldemort. And so I think that the, the, the quest, so to speak, represented by the Deathly Hallows, is something that Harry has to accomplish in order to willingly sacrifice himself and get rid of that last bit of Voldemort that attached itself to Harry um, during that, uh, the, the, the awful night at Godric's Hollow so many years ago. And so I think that, you know, in many respects, the Deathly Hallows represent this quest that Harry has to go through. Interestingly enough, however, um, Harry has to become the master of death, so to speak, before he can obtain each of the objects. I mean, granted, he already has the invisibility cloak, but once he has mastered death and moves freely to embrace it as an equal, so to speak, um, at that point he can use the uh, the snitch that Dumbledore has given him, open the uh, open it up, and use the resurrection stone to summon Lupin, Sirius, and his mom and dad in a kind of you know as as moral support, so to speak, for this last task that he has to engage in. And then ultimately, as we learn in the final battle, the Elder Wand has already, in fact, taken Harry as its master. And so Harry succeeds, the, succeeds in his quest by uh, freely embracing death, meeting it as an equal, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. at that point, the Deathly Hallows come to serve him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, think, you think about what happened with the stone. He... he casts it aside right before he's about to die so he's totally given over the idea you know he's, he's given up his his fear of death he he st- he stands in front of Voldemort and takes off the cloak right before the end he he gets the elder right. wand and then casts it aside <laughs> you know it's yeah yes, that's exactly it yeah and of course you know Dumbledore's great sin so to speak both as a young man and then also in Harry's sixth year when he's tempted by um uh, by, by the, the ring, so to speak, that he finds the Horcrux, which he ultimately destroys. Dumbledore's great sin is to think that obtaining these objects will make you the master of death. But in fact, I think that you know, mastering death makes you worthy of possessing these objects, so to speak. You know, it's wonderful to listen to you speak because when I was reading this, I was just struck by so how overtly religious that, that this chapter and this, this, this element was, much more so than, the, you know, and I was just, I thought, wow, Joe is really just not holding back at all in this book. Were you surprised to see something so, almost so open about it? I was a little bit surprised. Um, I mean, I think that she's been making the books more spiritual, if not exactly religious, for the past Mm -hmm. two or three volumes. Um, So I was surprised, particularly by the pronounced Christ imagery that's present. On the other hand, you know, sacrificial love has been a theme right from the get-go. I mean, you know, that's what Lily did. And, um, you know, Harry has been told again and again that it was precisely her sacrifice that provided him with protection. Um, interestingly, though, I think that, you know, the spirituality in many respects remains imminent. You know, now what do I yeah. mean by that? I mean that there's no transcendent power that comes and intervenes and yeah. sort of secures victory for Harry. It's rather a kind of spiritual power that he finds within himself. Yeah. And that chapter is wonderfully ambivalent. 
Um, you know, it's heaven, but it's not heaven. It's in Harry's head, but it's something real. You know, and Dumbledore yeah. even says that at the very end. You know, of course it's in your head, but that doesn't mean that it's not something real as well. Um, that well, that chapter as well struck me as very consistent with the accounts that people have given of near-death experiences. Yeah. And so yeah. that kind of uh, resonance as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have you guys been going crazy for the past few days? Months. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. We've all turned into walking zombies. We're all falling asleep as we're, we're as we're out with friends and family. It's just <laughs> it's been it's been interesting. <laughs> so, how about you? Is it is it is it hitting you that it's done? Yeah, I just you know uh, uh, I've been sort of swinging back and forth between euphoria. Um, because now, you know, many of the questions have been answered and a kind of sadness that it's over. Um, but I'm, I'm really pleased to see the excitement continuing, um, you know, not only within fandom, but within casual readers as well. Almost everybody that I'm running into has their own particular take on the book and they're interested in my views. And it's been a, an awful lot of fun just talking about things with everybody. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, thank you so much for... for given us all that insight and we hope that you have an awesome day and will we see you at prophecy no i unfortunately i couldn't make it to prophecy Aww. but I, I hope to be at some of the uh the conferences over the coming months well, probably next summer i think are the is the next one yeah totally there's portus and terminus and a bunch of things right cool dollars dollars 2008 <laughs> thanks a lot ed thank you welcome bye all right, it's the end of the first call-out show from post Deathly Hallows. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I don't know even know what to say. There's so much information. We have so many people have great. I know. You know, so and your head about. just sits here and you're thinking. I miss you guys I'm, too. I miss being able to do this in person. We've done it so many times now. So There's something missing in my life. I'm walking around and I don't see John Sewer Bree around. It's really weird. It is. I know. You know? I miss you guys. But we're going to see each other at Prophecy real soon. Right. Don't yes. forget. Yes, we will. Another big live leaky mug at Prophecy. And do not forget to get your ticket for the Fans of Fandom. Was it? No, no. Fans of Fandom was Phoenix Rising. Oh, shoot. For the... Sue, what's the name of it? Um. Uh, oh, I don't know. The That's fandom, a question. Fandom Kino fandom. thing. Sue's in it. Yes. <laughs> Go get your thing ticket. That I'm doing. We're going <laughs> to cheer from her, for her from the front row. It's going to be so much fun. Um, oh, and so not fun for people who aren't Sue because we're just going to make crazy, crazy noise for her. Um, and I have to talk about fandom. I'm going to not look at you guys when I'm talking about Pottercast. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> oh, Great. Yeah. <laughs> Should we worry, Sue? Oh, I'm, I'm going to be heckling, so. Oh, God. This is what scares me. And if I see any dollish signs, I'm going to crack up. Hey, let's talk for a couple seconds about oh, totally. what we're going to be doing here on Pottercast now that DH is released. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, after Prophecy comes... Um, we're going to get back to real regularly scheduled podcasts, and you're going to have your old uh, old favorite segments, your fan interviews, and Scrippy Fives, of course, will continue. Mm-hmm. Um, canon conundrums, like we mentioned a while ago, will kind of transform into a bit of a canon conclusion type segment, and it'll probably start out for a while attacking a little bit of the book at a time. Not, yeah. not so much like chapter by chapter as much as bit by bit, because you guys know these chapters are way too big just to put into one show, so... Yeah. So we'll, we'll determine um, a section that we're going to talk about. That's probably where we'll start. Probably as good as a place to start as the beginning anyway. So. Well, we'll start. We'll come up. We, we promise we'll come up with some sort of schedule of what we're going to be talking about, which show, and put it on podcast.com so that you can 
you can be ready. Um, yeah, definitely, because it'd be great if if uh, if we were able to tell you what we're going to be talking about ahead of time to send in some opinions about it, so we can put them in the show. Yeah, and we have. It's always fun. We have so gosh, we have we have we just it's ridiculous how much how much we have to do here. So plenty, plenty, plenty of podcasts yeah. to come. Wow, plenty to come. How are we right. going to talk about it all? There's so much to talk about. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, th- this is like starting <laughs> over when we first started the show. Half Foot Prince had just come out, right? Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. It's been two years since then. Wow. A whole new era. <laughs> hey, our 100th show went by and we just didn't talk about it at all. No. <laughs> What's that? Our 100th show went by and we didn't even talk about it. Joe went by. Our 100th show went by. Joe. Yeah. Oh, our 100th show. <laughs> I think I said Joe went by. I'm like, where? I didn't see her. She's in Florida, John. Aww. Oh, sad. Oh, the birds have feathers. So I was really touched that a lot of you guys remembered. I saw on our forum and stuff. You said, hey, it's Buttercast 100th show. Congratulations. Yeah. That was really sweet. Thank you. Can, nice. can we can we say, too, how much we appreciate everyone who has been so nice to come out and see us while we were out and about? We should really thank everyone who's been yes, so... Yes, and for all the... And uh, Borders. All the fun presents and cookies and candies. And Borders... Borders rocks, and rocks, borders, of rocks. Course, for making it all possible. Borders was awesome to us. Everywhere we went, they were just, they were just great. Thank you guys so much, and thank you for all. Yeah, yes. just what you said. Okay, guys, is it time to push out of here? Just go. You're wasting time. All right, well, I'm gonna go try and sleep and yeah, read some more. And, wow, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So next time, guys, keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be Dobby. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good Good night. night. We've missed it. Dobby is free. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) Well, how are you guys feeling now that all our touring is done? I'm running the hell down. I'm coughing my headwigs off. How does one cough his headwigs off? Yeah, they're, they're, the cops come out like in small explosions. <laughs> oh, John. You know what? I hope the Owl Society of America comes after you for like bringing up the saddest, oh. most tragic thing to legions of fans, of Owl <laughs> fans everywhere. It is very sad. I, I'm, I'm very sad for um, the, the girl Owl who plays Hedwig in the movies. I hope she doesn't have to do an explosion. Oh, I think they'll have like a... I hope they can do some kind of CGI okay. for that. What if that was my job? What if I get hired to do the Hedwig explosion? You should be. You deserve you, it that now. That would be perfect thing right, for you to right, do. Right, Sue? He deserves it? He, totally he does. Completely. Do you imagine? I, I, I would want on the credits to be like, Hedwig explosion. Mass. Effect. Mass John, Hedwig murderer. John Dolish Noe.